First Person Advisors is now a subsidiary of NFP, the fifth largest insurance broker in the world, combining local expertise with access to global capabilities and solutions. Learn more at firstpersonadvisors.com. Purdue and Virginia will battle for the 1984 Peach Bowl on Monday. But join me, Chris Denary, on Sunday at 11 p.m. for a 59 Sports Special. A 20-something young buck. Chris Denary, honing his broadcasting chops at his first TV gig as a local sportscaster in Indianapolis. Martin another one that time by Miles. A six-block shot matching a career high for Miles Turner. He'd eventually move on to play-by-play for the Indiana Pacers and the eyes and voice on all the action in the fourth turn at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Short shoot, Simon Paginova lead, tried to win from the pole. Kristen Airy, a familiar voice, part of the fabric of Indiana sports for nearly 40 years. He's my guest on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. Chris Denary was destined for a career in sports. He grew up in a gym, tagging alongside his dad, Bob, watching him coach basketball. Chris even wound up playing for his dad at Westfield High School back in the late 70s before heading off to Wabash College, where he was a member of the Little Giants 1982 NCAA Division III National Championship team. Chris started out behind the scenes. One of his early jobs, a role in the sports information department at the University of Indianapolis, then Indiana Central, where he got the chance to call Greyhounds football and basketball games. And that's all she wrote. He's been a fixture in Indiana sports broadcasting ever since. Indiana Pacers, play-by-play announcer for 16 years, and the voice you've heard on the Turn 4 radio call at the Indianapolis 500 for 20 years. And I am very pleased to be joined by the voice of the Indiana Pacers, Chris Denary. Chris, thanks for thanks for taking time to join us on the podcast. Oh, glad to do it, Gary. Always uh, good to hear from you. Hey, uh, catching you in the offseason, the Pacers uh, recently concluded their season. What is life for you like in the in the offseason? Well, it's a lot different. Uh, there's no question. Uh, you know, basically when the season starts uh, right around October 1st, it's pretty much nonstop through April. You've got, you know, three to five games a week. You're going to practice. You're doing a lot of prep. You have back-to-backs. Uh, I always tell people I, I really don't ever look at, you know, somebody will say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And I go, well, I've got a game on Saturday and Sunday, or I have a game on Friday and Sunday. So once the season ends, then it's a lot different because then you don't have the day-to-day preparation in getting ready for games. Um, So it sort of all of a sudden slams you in the face a little bit and you take a few days to relax. Um, And then for me, my wife and I were were new grandparents. We have a four month old uh, grandson, Archer, who we uh, watch a few days a week. I've got a lot of uh, landscaping projects. Uh, We've got a son getting married in June. Oh, wow. And then then I have a lot of uh, things that I need to do with the Pacers uh, as far as the draft lottery, the draft. Uh, I'll meet with a lot of season ticket holders, sponsors. Um, I'm on call basically with the Pacers staff 
you know, to do all those things that you need to do in the off season, playing a lot of golf outings, uh, have a number of speaking engagements. So it's definitely a different pace, you know, from April to September, but still very important as far as, you know, getting out and representing Pacer Sports and Entertainment. Uh, how's the, the handicap come down in the, in the uh, summer months? Hopefully it will. I have not yet teed it up this year. I mean, okay. we, we've, we've not had great weather, right? It, it, it still yeah. feels yeah. Uh, pretty chilly, but uh, yeah, hopefully the handicap will, will get a little bit lower this summer. Now, now what's being, I, my wife, Roz and I are fortunate. We've got two grandchildren, one more on the way. And so you have Archer yep. getting ready for that jump shot yet? Yeah, I, I, I talk to him all the time when I watch him and I ask him if he wants a basketball hoop or a putting green here at the house. And he told me he wants both. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Gramps and Gigi will will bend. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I everybody told me how much fun it would be, that it would be awesome. It's more than awesome. I mean, it's even better than I thought it would be. So uh uh, and, and it's cool. Our our, our son and, and daughter-in-law live in Westfield, so they're about 10 or 15 minutes away. Um, and like I said, our, our daughter-in-law is an OR nurse at Methodist, and our son's an accountant. So we have an opportunity with her parents to to watch Archer one or two days a week, and we love it. That's awesome. This season, tough season for the Pacers, uh, obviously. It's got to be more fun when the team's winning and when there's a lot of excitement around the team. How was this uh, season for you, given that it was just it was a tough season in terms of the win-loss column? Yeah, it, it definitely is. When you're invested uh, with a group of people, whether it be the players, the staff, or the organization, you know, it's difficult. And, and I've done this for a long, long time. I was the voice of Butler for 17 years. I, I did the Indiana Fever play-by-play for 18 years and just completed my 16th year with the Pacers. So, I love being a part of a group. I love having a stake in it. Now, we need to be as objective as possible, right? But at the same point, um, it's it's a whole lot easier when your team is, is more successful. I will say that I think when the trade deadline came and the Pacers decided, hey, we need to go in a different direction, I think that gave all of us a little bit of a, a boost, a little bit of enthusiasm to see some of these young players uh, to see Tyrese Halliburton, to see Buddy Heald, to see how they would fit in and and what that new direction would be. And I was very encouraged, Gary. Uh, I thought the atmosphere in Gamebridge Fieldhouse was really good. For a team that, you know, won, what, 25 games, I, I, thought, I thought the building had a lot of energy. I think they were, uh, I, I think they knew that a change needed to be made. And I think there's some excitement going forward because of what is on the landscape. And the Pacers are going to have a single-digit pick for the first time in 30-plus years. Now, I think it tells you how good the franchise has been that they've not ever fallen into that situation. But I think at the top end of the draft, it's really strong, and the Pacers are going to get a really good player. You you mentioned being part of a group and kind of part of a family, I I think, in, in some respects. Uh, with the broadcast team there, and in particular, your longtime partner on the bro- uh, broadcast, Quinn Buckner. And uh, I-, I just think Quinn is just a, a good dude. I mean, he just, yeah. he's just a-, a guy who I enjoy the times I'm around him, enjoy being around him. What- what's he like as a broadcast partner? And-, and talk a little bit about that importance. You hear a lot about chemistry in a, in a play-by-play and a-, a color guy, uh, you know, and how that, how-, how that all plays out. Talk about Quinn as, uh, as your partner on the broadcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes we forget uh, when when we did travel, and again, we haven't traveled because of COVID-19, but when we'd be out and about, 
in any NBA building. I mean, people are coming up. Quinn is revered. When you yeah. think about what he accomplished at Indiana, the last unbeaten team at 32-0, and 0, he's one of three men that have won a high school, college, NBA, and Olympic championship. There's only three. It's Jerry Lucas, Magic Johnson, and Quinn Buckner. And so that's a pretty, pretty high pedestal. And so I've done this with him for 16 years, uh, truly appreciate, you know, working with him. And for my first few years, I would work with both he and Clark Kellogg mm-hmm. and, and both great guys and both great yeah, they analysts, yeah. but, they're, but they're, they're different people. And so I remember I would do a game on Friday night with Quinn and a game on Saturday night with Clark. And just how you interact with them may be a little bit different. You know, I think the one thing that that I would say, and I've done a lot of radio and now done a lot of television, is you can set the analyst up a lot differently on television because the analyst can talk through, the, the, the play could go back and forth multiple times without me ever really describing anything because the viewer can see what's happening. When you're doing radio and you're the play-by-play person, you are the eyes and the ears. You've got to paint the picture. So it's a little bit different how you utilize an analyst as they come in, you know, for certain segments of time. But, you know, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, you know, to do it 16 years with Quinn. Um, you know, I'd have to look around the NBA, but I, I would think from a pairing standpoint, we're probably up there right now as longevity in the NBA. Yeah. Give the listeners a kind of a, a peek. And so what's Quinn like? off mic, you know, uh, away from the game. You guys have to spend a lot of time on the road and together a lot. What's what's Quinn like uh, off off mic? Well, he can be funny. I mean, there's no <laughs> question about that. I mean, uh, but but he but he's but he can also be serious like anybody. I mean, he's just he's just a guy also that understands the game and really when you break it all down too, he's a teddy bear. Um, you know, it, it it was really cool to be on the road. He's got a number of grandchildren and to see him with his grandsons when they were smaller uh, was, was just so cool to see. And I think that's the thing. We're all individuals. We're all people. We all have families. And I think sometimes people look at us differently because what we do on television. Uh, but we're no different than anybody else. And, and, and Quinn is no different than anybody else in that regard. What has been really neat to see Gary is to see him embrace being uh, the chairman of the board of trustees at Indiana University. I mean, that is a huge uh, deal. And uh, he's been very busy with that, as well as his duties with Pacer Sports and Entertainment. And then, of course, his uh, TV duties on Valley Sports. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, the uh, board of trustees position, uh, very important. I know I talked a little bit to him about that. How about, Chris, in terms of uh, Pacers ownership? You know, you know, basketball, as you well know, in Indiana is such uh, such an important uh, game to this state. The Pacers are such an important franchise. How, what, what's your take on the commitment of ownership? Where would we be as a city without Herb and Mel Simon? Steve Simon ultimately going to take uh, take the reins. What, what's your what's your take or your view on the commitment of uh, ownership of the Pacers? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's something that uh, I think when you look at the stability, if you go back to the to the '80s when when Mel and Herb sort of rescued the Pacers. I mean, I remember. You know, growing up as uh, you know, as a kid at Westfield High School, and then going to college at Wabash, you know, watching Slick and Nancy put on the telethon to, to right. franchise. Um, and, and so the fact of the matter is, you know, the Simons came in when they didn't have to do that, and have been just an unbelievable 
uh, family ownership for, you know, the last 40 years. So I, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, franchises in the small markets get painted one way. But if you look at it, Gary, uh, I think I did, I did think, I think it's over the last 15 years, the Pacers are like in the Eastern Conference, like top four in, in, in productivity. You know, it's like yeah. Miami and Boston and the Pacers. The one thing they don't have is a championship. Yeah. And, and they got beat, you know, in 2000 against the Lakers. But if you look at what this franchise has stood for, how they compete, um, you know, it, it's one of the top franchises in the NBA. Hey, looking ahead, obviously, a lot of excitement around uh, what's going to happen in the draft. But you look at Gamebridge Fieldhouse inside, dramatic change outside with, um, again, dramatic change. The, uh, the ice rink, plaza, uh, a lot of people think that can be really part of a rebirth of that part of downtown uh, Indianapolis and kind of part of momentum, kind of a new era, if you will, for Pacers basketball. Is that, is that an overstatement? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, if you look around the NBA, think back to, to watching the NBA Finals last year in Milwaukee and all the people that were outside of Pfizer Forum enjoying uh, the atmosphere. And I think we've seen that over the years. I mean, I, I go back to 2013 and 14 when the Pacers were involved in those Eastern Conference Finals with Miami and, and just the energy that was downtown. Well, think about yes. that now as you add you know, this new downtown area where you can take advantage of that on a game night and, and, and hopefully down the road uh, in the playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals. I'm always amazed at that quadrant of the city and the growth south in the Cityway area, go east over to College Avenue. Uh, it, it was one of those situations during COVID where I didn't realize exactly what was happening downtown. And on my way down or on my way home from Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I made sure I drove over there to see what was happening within the city. And all of that energy uh, focused around Gamebridge Fieldhouse can only be good for the city. Yeah. Hey, Chris, how'd you get into uh, broadcasting? Well, I'm the son of a high school basketball coach and teacher. My late, my late father, uh, you know, my, my brother and I, we were at, we were at basketball practice when we were five and six years old. So I grew up around the game. And when I graduated from Westfield High School in 1979, I wanted to play basketball. And I was not a Division I recruit, but I was a Division Three recruit. And I went to Wabash. And uh, when we showed up on that first day on the mall in Crawfordsville, they had a bunch of tables. And there was a table that said WNDY Radio. And my dad said, I think you'd be pretty good at that. You ought to go talk to them. And so I did. And from day one, I was a part of the radio staff. Uh, I was the play-by-play -play voice of the football team for two years. I played basketball all four years, so I couldn't do any of the basketball. And then a couple of things happened. You would understand this because you're an alum of Channel 6. Yep. I had two great internships at Channel 6 in Indianapolis, WRTV. And Tom Carnegie sort of took me under his wing like he did a lot of sports people at the time. Yeah. And so between my junior and senior year uh, of college, I worked the National Sports Festival as an intern at Channel 6. And then I played my final college basketball on a Saturday in February at DePaul. Uh, we got beat. And that Monday, I was covering the Southport sectional for WRTV Channel 6. Wow. So 
Um, so that was a wonderful internship for me to understand what the business was about, really whet my appetite. And uh, that, that's how I got involved. Yeah, no better place to, to get that uh, experience than Channel 6, that's, uh, that's for sure. And, and you got your first kind of big break, I guess you would say. You got on at, at uh, Channel 59, which was at yep. the time WPDS. They were on North Meridian. I remember when they, they, uh, they launched here in Indianapolis. Uh, tell me about that, that experience. So you were a sports director, right? Yeah, I, I was young. I was uh, 22 years old. Wow. I had just spent six months as the news and sports director at TriWY Radio in Columbus. And I got the call to submit a tape, and I did, and they hired me. And so I worked with Ken Owen and Ann Craig and a number of, you know, staffers uh, came from Channel 13 because of Chris Duffy. Kim Sanders was our news director, George Banks, Lisa Hendrickson. And so it was a wonderful opportunity at 22 years old, soon to be 23, uh, to be doing sports on a half hour newscast at 10 o'clock um, each and every night. So that, that was a great opportunity you know, that, those were back in the days, Gary, where you had those three-quarter inch tapes. And I, 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 remember, I remember that big three-quarter inch tape that I delivered uh, to WPDS and, you know, I got the job. That's outstanding. And we were talking before we started the podcast uh, uh, here, Chris. What was that those early days like? Because there was some instability there and, and you ended up... Uh, yeah. You said you lost your job twice in a twice. short period of time. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I've, I've shared this story with a lot of young broadcasters. And, and part of it is, is to have hope. You know, don't give up on your dream. But uh, I was there about a year and a half. Um, they had eliminated about half the staff six months or seven months in. And we walked in one day in May of 85. And they said, look, we're going to sell the station. Uh, we're not going to do any type of news or sports anymore. So at the end of the month, you guys are out of a job, but we need you to cover the Indianapolis 500, which, which we did. And so I was, you know, I remember making that phone call to my wife. Uh, you know, we were married about a year. We were building our, we were building a house. And so um, I got hired by Network Indiana. I was also doing afternoon sports on Network Indiana because it was housed in the building at Channel 59. And so they said, hey, we'll just hire you and you know you can continue to do sports. Well, I think it was a month later, they, they realized we don't quite have the funding to pay you. Uh, we're gonna have to let you go. So here I was, uh, you know, 24 years old, twice had been let go. And at that point, I did not wanna move. I had opportunities in other markets, but this is home and this is where I wanted to be. And I was fortunate enough to become the first full-time sports information director at then Indiana Central, now the University of Indianapolis. Gene Cease, uh, the president at the time, took a chance. And I spent three really good years there. I learned a lot. And, and, and Gary, that really propelled me into really a career of sports information, marketing, communications with broadcasting on the side. And so I was able to marry all of those things together. And I think that was a a key part of my career. Yeah, I was going to say that. So the SID piece really propelled you, that experience propelled you into radio broadcasting, play-by-play, voice Butler uh, basketball for many years as well. So that, that was really the launching pad. Yeah, it really was. And, uh, what University of Indianapolis, then Indiana Central, allowed me to do 
was the play-by-play of road football and basketball, because at that point, they really didn't have a lot of students that had a lot of interest in doing play-by-play. And honestly, it was a cost savings because I was already traveling on the road with the team. And so Bob Tremaine, who was an assistant football coach and the baseball coach, he would do the, the basketball games with me. And so it was a great opportunity for me. And I think as I, as I tell all young people, you want to build your brand. And I think that helped me at least start to establish a brand uh, within the Indianapolis market. I started to do some high school play-by-play. And that's when I realized that that's what I wanted to do. Because for the longest time, I wanted to be a, a sports anchor on a newscast. But once I started doing games, I realized I wanted to be at the game. I wanted to be the one describing either what you were listening to or what you were watching. And uh, UND really gave me that opportunity early on. You certainly established yourself as a brand when it comes to basketball play-by-play and all of your stops, obviously, now with the Pacers. But also, you mentioned the Indianapolis 500, the Indianapolis 500 radio network as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in. Uh, I've been a part of the network since the late '90s. I've been in turn four now for 20 plus years, um, and, and really looking forward, to, you know, to, to this May's uh, opportunity. I, I've been a part of some iconic calls. Um, we have a great group that put on a, I think, a great uh, broadcast each and every year. And I, I'm I'm the fortunate one that I get to sit in turn four yeah. uh, for some of those uh, great calls. I remember. Um, you know, back in 06, when Sam Hornish passed Marco Andretti, it looked like a teenager might win the Indianapolis 500, and and Hornish got him. Uh, J.R. Hildebrand was the leader uh, coming out of turn four and crashed. Um, so it's been a lot of fun uh, to be a part of that. Very honored. Um, and, and another Channel 6 tie, uh, Chico Fernandez, Julio Fernandez was uh, the general manager of the network back in the late 90s. And he gave me a call one day and said, hey, we've had some changes. Some people have moved on. Would you be interested? So I started out as a pit reporter and then I moved to turn four in the early 2000s. Yeah. And, and again, you talk about a family. It seems like that 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 broadcast crew on the network is like a family, especially you and many others who've been there so many years. Yeah, there's no question. I think we have a lot of trust. What I've said about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network, it's it's a lot like television on radio because there are so many different voices um, that you have to you know marry into the the broadcast. And the other thing is because you can't see the whole track. Remember, you know, I'm a play-by-play guy that does basketball. I've done Big Ten football. I've done high school football, state championships. You can see everything in front of you. But at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you can only see where I sit in turn four. I can see them exiting the backstretch into three, short shoot four, and then down the straightaway. So you have to be a really good listener. You have to listen to all the people that are in front of you. And we've got Nick Yeoman and Michael Young and Jake Query. And of course, Mark James is uh, the longtime voice now. But it's incumbent that you listen to what they're saying because we rely on each other. It's, it's as much trust that you have in a broadcast as anything that I've ever done because the, the person before you or maybe two stops before you they're your eyes and ears. And so you really have to rely on them for how you call that race. Much more with Kristen Airy when we come back. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Kristen Airy, the athlete, a collegiate national champion, 
what it was like to play for his dad in high school and a lot more. That's when the Business and Beyond podcast returns. First Person Advisors is now a subsidiary of National Financial Partners, the fifth largest insurance broker and consultant in the world. Develop your total reward strategies all in one place with the combination of First Person's local expertise and NFP's global resources and integrated solutions. Learn more at firstpersonadvisors.com. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week, the voice of the Indiana Pacers on television, Chris Denary. And Chris, it seems like you had a great childhood. You must have growing up in Westfield. Westfield, a very different, what was growing up like Westfield in, in Westfield like in the 60s and the 70s? Because it's a very, as you know, a very different place today. Yeah, it is. It is very different. And uh when I graduated, I think my senior class in 1979 might have been 105 or 110. Wow. Yeah. And uh, my wife is also a Westfield. We're high school sweethearts. So she's a, she graduated in 80, and it was probably the same. I didn't move there until I was a junior. Um, I, gr- I grew up in southwestern Ohio and then moved to Wabash, Indiana for about three years. But my dad is, is an Indian, was an Indianapolis native. He went to Howe High School. Uh, he met my mom at IU, and she was from the Dayton area. So when they got married and, and he started teaching, he started over in southwestern Ohio. But I knew he always, he always wanted to get to Indiana. He always wanted to coach in Indiana. And, you know, it was, it, it, it was really special to play for him because I had sat on the bench for so long as a kid. Um, I had watched him coach um, and there was just something special about, you know, being a coach's son and having that opportunity to play. There's also a lot of pressure. You better be, you better be good. You better make it easy on your dad to have you out on the floor. And fortunately I was able to have a, a, a good high school career at Westfield and and then moved on to play at Wabash. Yeah, talk about that because you're right. You know, a lot of kids who played for their dads, you know, have said, yeah, you got to be better <laughs> than the other guy because, you know, they want, want that criticism that they're playing favorites. What was it like? What, what, what made it special about playing for your dad? Well, and I give a lot of credit to my teammates too because I moved in when I was a junior. I probably took the spot of a player here or there Right. But, but I was very fortunate. I remember in that first game, I had a really good, we played new, new pal and I had a really, really good game. And so there were really, the good thing was there was really no question whether I should be out there or not. Yeah. But you know, my dad, we just had such a special relationship. We had such, we have such a close family, five kids, you know, that, that was the most difficult thing for me five years ago when my dad passed away in 2017 is um, I think I had talked to him either before or after every telecast or broadcast I had ever done. And when I was the voice of Butler, I can't tell you how many car rides he would go with us 
uh, yeah. to Dayton, to do Wright State, to Chicago, whatever. So, yeah, we just had a special relationship. You know, we always wanted to make him proud. Um, you know, we he, he was a high school teacher. What, what I most was impressed, Gary, about him as a coach was how talented he, he was as a teacher. Uh, he was a biology teacher. He took great pride in being in the classroom. I will still drive around town and run into somebody and they'll say, you're Bio Bob's son. That's what my dad's <laughs> nickname was, Bio Bob. <laughs> I love and, it. And so, and, and so that, that was really, really, really cool to know the impact he had. When he passed away, we got an email from somebody in Troy, Ohio, where we lived for about seven years. And it was an email about how much my dad as a teacher had impacted this young lady during her high school career. And, and it, it just blew us away that somebody would take the time to do that. That's, I think that, yeah. that sort of tells you about what kind of man he was. And, uh, you know, my mom, my mom is still alive. She is living in the house that we moved into 40 plus years ago. But uh, we definitely miss my dad very, very much. Yeah. Do you play other sports or was basketball really that that singular uh, focus? No, I played golf. You know, dad got us, dad, dad got at least me. I, I was probably, my, my brother Tom plays a little bit. My other brothers play, but I, I played quite a bit. I played high school golf all four years, uh, two years at Northfield High School up in Wabash County. My dad was the golf coach. And then he was also the golf coach at Westfield. So I played golf all four years at Westfield and a couple of years at Wabash. Hey, what do you think about sports, youth sports today? Very different than when we were growing up. You know, you rolled from one season into the next. Now there's so much specialization and AAU. And it's just a completely you know, different game. Any, any take that you have on the state of, of youth sports these days? Well, it's interesting because my kids all played youth sports and they're, uh, yeah. they're, they're now 32, 29 and 25. So they've been out of it for a while, but it's definitely a commitment. I always felt like you wanted to play multiple sports, right? That, you know, when basketball season was over, you played baseball. When baseball season was over, you played football, you added golf. Now you have soccer, all those kinds of things. I think it becomes tough um, because uh, you know, so much is demanded at times of these kids. Sometimes you just want them to be kids, right? To, yeah. to There's not a lot of pickup. I mean, I, I think one of the great things that we used to do was we used to go out in the side yard and, you know, play tackle football or flag football or whatever. So, but it's different. And I understand that. And it's just trying to manage the time. I think the most important thing I would say as a parent, we would do this with our kids. And my dad was the same with us. Are you having fun? Mm -hmm. Is this something you want to do? And uh, if the kids want to do it, then I think it's all right with the parents to move forward with all that they can do for their kids. But, you know, if, if, if that kid, if you're pushing them too hard, then I don't, I don't think you need to do that. Had a great career, basketball career at, at, at Wabash, including a national championship, right? 1982? Yeah. Uh, 1982. I think I like to. I, I always like to say I was a valuable reserve, but um, it was it, it was clearly one of the highlights uh, of my career to you know to be on a team that's a national champ. We were twenty four and four. We won our last nineteen games. What was really neat this year, Gary, was to see Wabash yeah. get back to prominence. Uh, they they went to the Final Four this year. They got beat in the national semifinal in Fort Wayne. But they set a school record for wins, set a school record for 
consecutive wins, beating our record. And we were all hoping they would join us as national champs. But uh, we had a great run. We, we had a, a spectacular center, Pete Metzelars. Yeah. Uh, 17 years in the NFL, uh, played on Buffalo's four Super Bowl teams, was an assistant coach with the Colts uh, when they won the Super Bowl. He was 6'8", 240 pounds, and virtually unstoppable at the Division Three level. So we were glad he was on our team. Being an athlete, does that help you having played uh, at the collegiate level? Does that help you in your play-by-play duties or in broadcasting? Well, I think it does. And, and, you know, Clark Kellogg would tell me that. He would say to me, Chris, I think you have a real advantage because you played. Even though I didn't play at the Division I level, I have been around the game a long, long time. Now, I'm not going to sit here in this day and age and tell you that I know everything that the Pacers are doing and how they're going to cover the pick and roll and all those kinds of things. But I do understand a locker room. I do understand the give and take between players and coaches. And I, I do understand the game. So I always took that as a compliment um, when, when Clark would say that to me, that, mm-hmm. that he felt that was a real asset for me, especially when I was a newcomer to the NBA. Because when I got the Pacers job 16 years ago, I had never done an NBA game on television. Wow. I had done plenty of WNBA and plenty of college basketball, but I'd never done an NBA game. So I, I think having that experience as a former player and as an athlete was was helpful in my transition. How does being a, a former athlete help you or does it help you just in your day-to-day life, you know, outside of broadcasting, just uh, living your life? You know, many, yeah. many people talk about the experience and what, what being an athlete and playing sports means for a lifetime. I think it's about being a good teammate. I mean, when I think about the telecast that we put on, you know, everybody just focuses on me, Quinn, Jeremiah Johnson, Eddie Gill, because we're the faces of, of the telecast. But there are so many people that make our telecast possible. I mean, Jamie Burns is our, our VP for broadcasting, and he's one of the best directors in the business. It's about being a part of a team. It's, it's just like I said with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network. It's having trust. It's it's having faith in the person next to you and the type of job that you're doing. And so I think, I think a lot of that comes through sports because when you're a part of a, a team sport, um, you're relying on the individual next to you uh, to perform. And that's the same thing that we do each and every day or each and every night when we put a telecast on. And so I, I, think, I think that's really a part of life is being a good person means being a good teammate. If you walk into Starbucks, open the door for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you and somebody else are in line, let that person in front of you. That's just about being a good person or being a good teammate. And uh, I, I think if you do those things, uh, it, it pays off in spades in the long run. And well said. Hey, before we leave, I got to ask you, in doing a little bit of research for this, Mark Boyle, the longtime radio voice, of course, for the, the, the Pacers and other great guy who's really got a great, interesting sense of humor. He described you as Ward Cleaver, uh, <laughs> the father in, in Leave it to Beaver. Is that an accurate description, Ward Cleaver? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm Ward Cleaver. Um, I did used to, I, I, when I did Butler games, I did used to wear some pretty cool sweaters. I mean, did like, you? I okay. 
guess Ward Cleaver. What's the, he, he always, he'll either call me that or he'll call me Seacrest, Ryan uh, Seacrest. <laughs> or I'm trying to think, is there a Jack Armstrong or like, uh, oh, he, like from the old days? Like, yeah, uh, yeah I know who you're talking about, the yeah. All American. Uh, yeah, the All American. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> I guess I have him fooled, right? <laughs> That's good. I love it. Hey, hey, what, what's next? I mean, still got uh, obviously the Pacers broadcasting, all the right. things you're doing here. Is there a, is there a next uh, big thing you're looking at doing or want to accomplish? No, I, I th- this is, uh, I, I'm, I, as I tell people, I'm more near the end than I am at the beginning. And so, uh, you know, I'm 61 years old. Um, you know, I want to, I want to be the TV voice of the Pacers, you know, for the next number of years, I, you know, I, I don't really put a number on it, but I, you know, at some point down the road, you'll enjoy retirement. You'll enjoy grandkids. You'll enjoy family. I mean, you know, that's the most I'd be remiss to say, you know, my wife of almost 38 years, I mean, just a fantastic partner. I mean, she allowed me to do all of these things that we've talked about, you know, the, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, the voice of Butler, all things that took a significant amount of time away from family and being on the road. I mean, you know, when I was when I was doing the Pacers and the Fever, Gary, I was doing 120 games a year. I was wow. doing 80 Pacer games in the winter and 40 games in the summer. Well, somebody's got to be taking care of the kids and getting them here and there. And so, um, you know, we always would sit down and decide when we looked at opportunities, how would it impact us as a family? Not just my career, but how it would impact us. And, and that was very, very important for us. And so I give her a lot of credit for you know, me being able to do the things that I've been able to do. Kristen Airy, the television uh, voice and face of the Indiana Pacers. Chris, it's been a real treat to catch up. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Look forward to continue uh, and, and follow your exploits. And uh, hopefully you'll be describing a, a, a world championship or two in the, uh, in the not too distant future. All right. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me on. All right. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It's a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download each episode of Business and Beyond podcast and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.